We want to talk about our mission as a church, our mission, and a bit of our philosophy of ministry from Matthew 28. Lindsay's going to pray for us and read our passage. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful day, for the, the freedom and the ability and the means for us to meet together today. I thank you for showing up yesterday at the women's retreat and blessing us, and I thank you that you are here in our midst today and, and long to do the same thing. I ask that you would touch our eyes and our ears as we hear this passage and this sermon, uh, that we would see you better and, and hear words, of, uh, words from you. Thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lindsay. What kind of church will you join? That's what Jonathan Lehman asks in an article we have for you in the back of the information table. I encourage you to pick one up later and read it over. What kind of church will you join? Or perhaps we should say, what kind of church did you join? Or should you join? Lehman asks that because your church's priorities will shape you. Your church's primary mission will shape you. Your conscience will be shaped. Your own goals and desires will be shaped. Even your own worship of God might be shaped. To illustrate that, he mentions five kinds of churches. Five types of churches. Church number one he calls the seeker's church. The seeker's church. It takes Jesus' command to make disciples, but really focuses on that in terms of making converts. And so the church is geared only for evangelism. The seeker's church. Church number two he calls the prosperity church. It focuses on our desires for health and wealth. As if God had promised those to us in this life. Church number three he calls the justice church. The justice church. It calls people to care for the downtrodden. To wake up to structural injustices and to do good in the world. Church number four he calls the righteous nation church. The righteous nation church. It focuses on more conservative political concerns like abortion or religious freedom. It wants to save the nation from moral decay. The Righteous Nation Church. Now, with the exception of the Prosperity Church, each of those captures something that every Christian should care deeply about. The Seeker Church rightly cares about those who don't know Jesus. The Justice Church rightly cares about injustices in the world. That's a biblical impulse. Care for orphans and widows, the helpless and powerless in society. 
The Righteous Nation Church rightly cares about moral decline and, and individual Christians, individual Christians should be involved in the political process per their own convictions and conscience. But then Lehman adds a, a fifth category, as you might guess. He calls it the Disciples Church. It seeks to apply the Great Commission, make disciples, and apply the great commandments Jesus gives us, love God and love neighbor. It seeks to make disciples in a more fully orbed way, you might say. It seeks to make new disciples and grow, grow current disciples of Jesus Christ. And that, that's the kind of church we seek to be by God's grace. And this morning, my point is not to compare those different kinds of churches. That's not my point. I simply want to ask with you, does that fifth kind of church best represent what we see here in Matthew 28? That's my question. We need to know that. You need to know that. Because that's our mission here. Making and growing disciples of Jesus. Since we've joined together for that purpose, we need to ask this question. Does that disciple-making, disciple-growing mission best reflect this great commission before us? And if so, if so, what should that look like for us as a church? So two main headings. Track with me under two main headings. The first is this, making and growing disciples in the Great Commission. Let's consider that mission in these words before us. Making and growing disciples in the Great Commission of Matthew 28. Here at this point in Matthew's gospel, our Lord has lived a perfect life in our place. He has hung on a cross as our substitute, bearing the justified wrath of God for all who believe. He has risen bodily, physically from the grave. He's about to ascend back to heaven. And he gives these, these final instructions, you might say. First, he gives an incredible assurance, as we saw last week. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he follows with, he is with us by his Holy Spirit. But in between those two pillars, with that theological frame, he provides one main imperative, one main command here. Make disciples. Make Make learners of Jesus. Make followers of Jesus. One main command, but he adds three participles, three, three aspects, you might say, three aspects of how we are to undertake that one command. Going, baptizing, and teaching. That's basically how this reads. Make disciples going, baptizing, and teaching. I want to consider all three of those briefly. First, we are called to make disciples going. Going to all nations in verse 19. Now, 
track with me here. That phrase, all nations, in Matthew 28, in the original language is this phrase, panta ta ethne. And you might hear our word ethnic or ethnicities there. Panta ta ethne, all ethnicities, go to all people groups, peoples. It's an echo of what God said to the patriarch Abraham 2,000 years earlier. God promised a guy named Abraham, you will give rise to a nation, and through you, Abraham, I'll bring blessing to all nations, all families of the earth. And God, a couple of times, reiterates that promise with the same words when that Old Testament passage is rendered in Greek. Track with me. Two times God reiterates that promise. And we read in the Greek translation of the Old Testament the exact same phrase. Panta ta ethne. All peoples. A blessing to all peoples of the earth. So when you read Track mythy. When you, when you read Jesus saying those words in Matthew 28, those exact same words, a chill should go down your spine. Jesus is affirming the fact that the blessing to the nations has come in a person, Jesus Christ. And the nations will hear of that blessing through us. So he says, go. In other words, we can't simply wait for the nations and our own community to show up in La Mesa Community Center. We must be going to them. Secondly, here, secondly, we are to make disciples baptizing. Baptizing. Verse 19, we read, baptizing them, those new believers, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps familiar words for you, but they are, friends, utterly profound. Baptize in the name, singular, one name, one God, one name, three persons. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. One God eternally existing in three co-equal, co-eternal persons. Baptize them in that name. In other words, disciples of Jesus are brought into the eternal relationship of love and, and joy between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your baptism makes that profound statement, friends. You have ongoing communion, ongoing fellowship with the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptize in that name. And then thirdly, make disciples teaching. Thirdly, teaching. Verse 20. Teaching them teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Why teaching? Well, because we have the all-sufficient Word of God. Because God's Word does God's work by the power of God's Spirit. 
The Word of God, friends, does the work of God in the people of God by the Spirit of God. But notice, notice it's teaching them to observe all, all he has commanded. Do you see there the lifelong process of growing as a disciple implied? Teach them to observe all I've commanded. I mean, just take his great commandments of love God and love neighbor as yourself. Anyone got that nailed down perfectly yet? I'm still working on that. How about you? The implication is disciples will be growing. A mandate to help disciples grow throughout their lives in observing all that Jesus has commanded us. So, yes, to answer our question, of those five kinds of churches Lehman highlights, I do think that disciples church, I do think that church that is seeking to make fully orb disciples of Jesus, I do think that church that is seeking to make new disciples and grow current disciples, I do think that reflects the intention of our Lord in this great commission. So what should that look like for us? What might that look like for us? Well, second heading then, let's think about making and growing disciples in Grace Church. If that was making and growing disciples in the Great Commission, if we're being faithful to that text, what about making and growing disciples right here? In Grace Church. Notice something first with me. In Matthew 28, going, baptizing, and teaching, they are incredibly profound and incredibly ordinary. I'm not finding laser shows here. I'm not finding um, fireworks, pyrotechnics. I'm not seeing the fog machine. I'm seeing very ordinary means of grace. Evangelism, the sacraments, and scripture. From other texts, we could add prayer, worship, and fellowship. These are the ordinary means of grace. God's grace. As Francis Schaeffer once said, we must do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. We must do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. He was talking about being dependent on the Lord, being dependent on the Holy Spirit, and not just stirring up things in our own efforts. And we do that through these ordinary means of God's transforming grace. The Lord's work in the Lord's way. Very ordinary means of grace. I just want to highlight two of those in Matthew 28. Let's just highlight the teaching and the going part. The teaching and the going. Well, first the teaching. How are we thinking about this ordinary means of grace of, of teaching? Teaching them to observe all he has commanded. Well, our primary teaching context is right here in our Sunday services where every week we preach from the all-sufficient Word of God. God's Word, recall, does God's work, 
by God's Spirit. That's what happens right here, friends. Not because of who is preaching, but because of what is being preached. Week in and week out. That is why this is our most important ministry context. And next week, I'm very excited that next week we'll begin a series on select passages in the letter of 1 Corinthians. We're doing so to see how the good news, the gospel, the good news transforms local church life and transforms our own lives. I'm excited about that. We also plan to work through sections of the books of Exodus and Revelation. Much to look forward to in our teaching times right here. Our second most important ministry context would be our home groups. Our home groups. That's where we, we help each other observe or apply what Jesus has commanded. We pursue the means of grace of fellowship in that context. We strongly encourage you to be plugged into a home group this year, if at all possible, to be growing as a disciple, to be growing as a disciple, helping other disciples do the same. We supplement those contexts with women's contexts, men's contexts. I know the ladies had a great retreat yesterday. Thank you, Sharon and your team for doing so. I know they have some great things planned, including the women's Bible studies that Janine shared about recently. On the men's side, we have Marshall leading a team of guys to help us think about men's ministry, periodic context there. Good stuff happening also. Thank you, Marshall and your team. We also, as Joshua mentioned, have monthly discipleship groups that he and I each lead. And I think we could say, both of us say, God blew our socks off with what he accomplished in those groups last year to his glory. And so we're excited about what he might do again this year. Again, one group focused on marriage, one group focused on spiritual formation. Those start mid-September, so sign up soon if you want to join us. Those are other supplemental contexts. That's a, a taste of, a taste of, a summation of the teaching part here. What about the going part? I want to park on the, the going part for a little bit. Make disciples going, Jesus says. Going to all nations. So we gladly support Seda and Emma Sakaguchi, church planting in Tokyo, Japan. Japan being the second largest unreached people group in the entire world. We also gladly support Jasmine, reaching out to the Tarahumara people in Mexico. As I understand, they are the largest unreached people group in North America. And let me add, too, it's certainly possible that you might be someone called to go to other nations yourself. We certainly want you to pray about that, if that might be something God is calling you to. I want to mention also our friends, Russ and Debbie Chastine, who serve as our mission and mercy coordinators. They have told me there may be in the future short-term missions, uh, opportunities through Greater Europe Mission. I think it's a good, a good step to take if you're thinking maybe God is calling me to go to other nations. Talk to Debbie about possible short-term missions opportunities. She's shaking her head, yes, right now. So find Debbie afterwards. She'd be glad to give you more information. 
The question I've been asking a lot over the last number of months is, how can we also, in addition to that, how can we also better be going right here? How can we also better be going right here to our own community? We must see and support people going to the nations, but what, what can we do to be going here? We live in a, a fascinating time when we have nations coming to San Diego as refugees. And so I've asked Dave and Mindy Fenske to come up and give a, an update on our good neighbor team. So would you welcome Dave and Mindy as they come to share with us some exciting stuff happening on this front. Welcome, friends. Yes, thank you. And there is exciting stuff happening on this front. This is today's newspaper. Not everybody takes a newspaper anymore, but we do. On the front page of the Union Tribune, there is an article about the Afghans which have come to San Diego County and the crisis that they are facing. So we put this uh, good news team, good neighbor team together earlier this year uh, because we were aware of the fact that the United States brought in 76,000 Afghans from Afghanistan and that they were facing all kinds of crises and difficulties here. One crisis that is emphasized in this newspaper article is that they are under a deadline. The United States government is requiring them to apply for permanent immigration status by September 9th which seems like, okay, that would be an easy thing to do. How do you do it? Do you do it online? Well, we're talking about a group of people, many of whom are illiterate in their own language, and then therefore can't navigate English, and can't navigate a document. I was talking to Eric last week, a document which we were looking at that's 14 pages long, uh, to fill that out to submit it. Uh, so there is some there is some action before Congress where we're looking to Congress to help extend that deadline, but it has been one crisis after another. And so this good neighbor team came along at a perfect time and uh, Lemcules are on it, the Narvisons are on it, Coltons are on it, uh, Russ, Sung, Mindy and me, and some others are going to be joining it. So it's a great good neighbor team. It's growing and there's lots and uh, lots of stuff to do. Do you want to give an update? Yes. So this Wednesday, for instance, um, Mindy, the other Mindy, the younger Mindy, um, and Janice are taking our, our good neighbor family, Hussein, his wife Yusira, and baby Mohammed Ishmael, um, and probably another family, <laughs> Because once you start working with Afghans, they call their friends and say, hey, we've got someone who's helping us come, you know, do you need help too? Um, so they will all be going to Bridge of Hope, something that's very um, familiar to us here at Grace Church, to get some belongings that they need in their households. Um, so Janice and Mindy are going to be doing that on Wednesday morning. You can talk to them and see if they need help. They may need a truck. I don't know, because this could get to be large. Um, and so those kinds of things are going on. Um, Cheryl and Eric, Dave and I have been there for meals and for some English learning. Um, I'm not going to candy coat this and say it's easy. It's the most chaotic form of ministry that there is. 
because they don't necessarily, Usira speaks no English, the wife. So you she's smile, illiterate. she's illiterate in her own language. Write. She can't look at a map of Afghanistan and tell you where map. she lives because she doesn't know what a map is, okay? So, but you can sit and you can play with the baby and smile. And you can, you can, she understands some things so you can talk about what she's making a little bit or foods that there are. She wants to learn English, she wants a friend. You know, so it's not a one time I'm there and I can do this, but it's an ongoing process and it will take many of us. It's not something that's quick. We, um, are you sharing about Masad? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Back to Dave. Uh, so I, we are, we are animated about this. If you haven't, haven't noticed already, this is, this is the most remarkable thing that's happened in missions in my lifetime. So just a, a, a quick example of this. Back in January, uh, when we were first alerted about the Afghans that were in San Diego County, a friend of ours called, told us uh, about some Afghans that were in a hotel nearby, told us a little bit more about them. We, we, we kind of figured it out. We talked to some of our other friends who are real missions experts that we've been working with for a long, long time, and found out that in the hotel that was nearest to us, that there was a group of Afghans that were here that came from a place in Afghanistan where no missionary had been able to go in, in our lifetimes. So this was, this was a, a, a spot so remote, you couldn't, you couldn't send missionaries there. You couldn't get there as a missionary. And I was just floored because they were, they were in a hotel four miles from our house. So what God has done is he has brought the nations to us. And my friends, this is what the church is all about. I mean, go, go, go. We, we've got to do this. You know, we've got to do this. And it's great if you go on the other side of the ocean and do this. But it's also great when you just uh, minister to people locally. So quick story. You may have met a gentleman who was with us last Sunday. He's a Muslim man. Uh, and this is probably the first time a Muslim man has ever come to Grace Church on a Sunday morning. We hope more will. We hope, we hope there may be some Muslim women who come to Grace Church on a Sunday morning. And what will you do if there's a woman sitting next to you with a headscarf on? Just think about that. But the reason that he came is because a friend of ours has known him and his family for over three years. This is not, he was not a part of the evacuees that came most recently, but had been here for a few years. And this friend of ours had invested time again and again, going over there once a week, helping them fill out forms, talking to them, playing with the children, taking the kids to 7-Eleven to get Slurpees. And after many, many months of this, after many, many hours of this, then he asks her, so what about Christians? What do Christians do? What is a Christian church? Would you take me to a church? And happened that Mindy and I brought him here instead of her taking him to her church. But those kind of questions are out there. Those opportunities are out there. We've got to get all over this. This, this is like, this has like, got to be like priority one, okay? So I better stop. And I told, I told Tab, the problem with this is if I get started, I can't stop. But please, read this newspaper article, please. I just wish you all had some enthusiasm for this ministry, that's all. Thank you so much, Dave and Mindy, for sharing. Thank you so very much for spearheading that exciting, exciting ministry. To see that gentleman being reached out by so many of you last week. 
man, that was a delight. How else can we be going? We're seeking to make new disciples and grow current disciples. I'm on the going piece. We had Seda and Emma Sakaguchi with us in June. We had a little Q&A time. Someone asked, when did you cultivate a heart for missions? And Emma said, I don't think I have a heart for missions. I have a heart for my neighbor. And I love that because she took missions out there in an abstract way and brought it into our hearts. Oh, friends, I think that's what God wants to do for me and for us. More and more and more. Bring this privilege down into our hearts. You might think about Jesus teaching those three parables in Luke 15. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, really the two lost sons. And the the punchline in each is the joy, the joy when what was lost is found. Isn't that the heart God wants to work in all of us in increasing measure over a lifetime as we are growing as disciples? I think so. Now, I love that heart when I see you here reaching out to guests and welcoming guests. Thank you. I see that heart in you as so many of you serve at Bridge of Hope, distributing food, reaching out to kids, caring for the poor and refugee there. Thank you. I see that heart as people serve at college area pregnancy services. And we've got an opportunity to help there in your bulletin. Please note that. But maybe God would have us engage with his heart all the more. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but when we had our COVID shutdown in 2020 for 12 weeks, for our reopening, you might say, in Harry Griffin Park, we did a professional mass mailing. 3,000 professionally prepared postcards went to the homes right around Harry Griffin Park. 3,000. Do you know how many people came because of those 3,000 postcards? To my knowledge, zero. And that's okay. That's okay. I know you got to have 10 points of contact or whatever. And I'm all for mass mailings, advertising of any kind. I'm all for Google AdWords and search engine optimization. I'm all for social media connections. All of those have their place. All of those have their place. But those postcards were 3,000 reminders to me that I think God wants to primarily use us personally as we share his heart for people and engage in his purposes right here and outside these walls. It's why we have these invitation cards for you every week back at the information table. You can use these to invite friends, neighbors, coworkers to come right here, but we also have a prime opportunity coming up. This Life Explored Outreach course we've been telling you about. We'll tell you more of the details next week. You'll get invitations next week. But it really is, as my friend Eric Lemkiel said, 
It's really about trying to make evangelism as easy as possible for you. That's the goal. That's the impetus. We've got other ways we're seeking to go as well. And you might have other ideas. And I'd say bring them on. Or even more so, make it happen. Make it happen, please. But today, I just want to remind you to pray. Pray for our mission. Certainly our mission of growing current disciples. That's a big part of what we do but also making new disciples. Pray for that one life, that one person in your relational network who doesn't yet know Christ. Pray for this Life Explored course coming up, if you would. Pray that God might enable you to bring someone personally. Pray that God's heart might be increasingly worked in me and in all of us. Our mission is simply to be that kind of church that is making and growing disciples of Jesus Christ, that kind of church that is, yes, applying the Great Commission and, yes, applying the Great Commandments. We want to make new disciples and grow current disciples. That's the kind of church I hope you want to be a part of. That's the kind of priority of making and growing disciples. I hope you want shaping your life, your conscience, your priorities, your goals, your desires, even your worship. I hope you want that shaping you right here. But let me just add, we don't do this in our own strength. Left to me and you, it ain't going to happen. None of this happens in our own strength. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned God's promise to Abraham to make him into a nation and through him bring blessing to all nations. But in Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, Abraham's faith is wavering. He's old and he and Sarah are old and the nursery is still empty. No babies on the way. And so he's asking God, look, how am I supposed to be a nation? I have no kids. How am I supposed to be a blessing to other nations? That's not going to happen. And so God takes Abraham outside and he says, why don't you look up in the nighttime sky? And a little homework assignment, Abraham, I want you to count the stars. Remember, there are no street lights around at this time. So he starts going one, two, 504. Oh, I've, I lost count. I love that scene. Go up, look up in the stars. Count them if you can, Abraham. So shall your offspring be, God says. And the New Testament says that those who trust in Christ are ultimately Abraham's offspring. Did you know that? Romans chapter 4 says Abraham is the the spiritual father of those who will believe on Jesus Christ. So track with me. It's as if those who will believe on Jesus are like those stars in the nighttime sky. Uncountable. Uncountable to you and me. And I mention that because maybe you feel about this mission like Abraham did in Genesis 15. Let's be realistic, God, and Dave and Mindy. It's not going to happen. 
Not in San Diego and not through Grace Church. I understand. I have those moments too. We must do what God had Abraham do. We must, as it were, look up into the nighttime sky. And friends, try to number the stars of Abraham's spiritual descendants. Try to count them if you can. Even without the James Webb Space Telescope, try to count them. Go out to Julian and try to count the stars in the nighttime sky. And God says, you can't. So shall those who will believe on my son be. Friends, look up into the nighttime sky. Look up and behold the power of God. Look up and remember the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth and is with us to grow you and me in a lifetime of following Jesus. To help each other grow as disciples, that's vital for us. But also, also to see new disciples made. Let's pray together to that end. Father in heaven, blessed Trinity, we pause right now to look up, as it were, metaphorically speaking, and to remember that Abraham's spiritual offspring, those who believe on Christ, they are to our eyes, as it were, uncountable. You know each one. But remind us of your power. Remind us of your unstoppable purposes. Remind us of your kingdom that shall advance. Remind us, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have all authority in San Diego. All authority in our neighborhoods and workplaces and campuses. And you're with us by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.